you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big circus down the sky, people. The great knowledge, uh, a blisk that we are building on the Chris Voss Show and have built for 14 years, where there is a giant seminal knowledge that we bring to our uh, listeners and make them smarter, wiser, and also better looking because, you know, we all know that if you're uh, smarter, wiser, and better looking, you're more sexier. At least it, that's how it works for me and the babes. I don't know. That's true, folks. Anyway, as always, refer the show to family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, for chess Chris Voss. Go to youtube.com, for chess Chris Voss. And the big LinkedIn group, 130,000 people over there, and the LinkedIn newsletter. I think it's killing it. Every time I go in there and post something every day, uh, it just like keeps growing like weeds. And of course, they made it accessible to the public, so you don't even have to follow me on LinkedIn. So there, that is as well. We had an amazing uh, gentleman, entrepreneur on the show. Uh, you know, we've been going through some different issues. Uh, people are, are always trying to figure out how do we fix these school shootings, these school problems that we're having. Uh, just yesterday, we had uh, five people killed in Louisville, Kentucky, with a bank shooting there, and, and someone who. Uh, clearly uh decided to, to do something very inhumane um and so a lot of people are trying to figure out how to square this uh, rubik's cube and how to how to solve these issues and uh, we're going to talk to a ceo today who uh deals with some of this and is trying to come up with a solution to these problems uh today we have on the show um sunny thadani he is the ceo of robin and uh, he is a gentleman who is trying to fix this issue. About seven years ago, he met uh, a father who lost his son in the tragic shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. Uh, he connected, he introduced him to the Sandy Hook Promise, an organization is dedicated to preventing gun violence in schools by teaching young people to recognize, intervene, and get help for individuals who may be socially isolated or at risk of hurting themselves or others. I was in, uh, He was inspired, and I'm inspired by his mission as well, uh, which was all about creating a cultural change that destigmatizes talking about mental health. Welcome to the show. Sonny, how are you? I'm well, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. Thank you for coming on. Uh, give us a .com uh, for uh, Robin, your company. Yep, it's my-robin, R-O-B-I-N.com. There you go. And uh, so it sounds like your company has been created to try and resolve some of these issues. Uh, tell us a little bit about your origin story and what got you here in, in trying to square this uh, uh, issue. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and so many things got me here. Uh, family, friends, um, you know, born of immigrants, uh, came to this country and uh, landed in New Jersey, uh, spent my high school career there, then college up in Syracuse. And really over the past 10, 12 years, um, a couple of life moments uh, put me in the position today. In 2010, alongside some of my best friends, we started a professional services company called Accordion. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we were sort of addressing the problem in the post-financial crisis 
of a mission-based finance company uh, tagline, a better way to work in finance, where we took a bunch of our colleagues, friends uh, that were in the investment banking or private equity world that were sick of working hundred hour work weeks, but were smart and wanted to put their, um, their knowledge to work. And they came to work for us. We grew a company over the last 10, 12 years. But during that time, Chris, a couple um, a couple things happened in my personal life that led me to this seat. One, I had some close family and friends go through a mental health crisis, and I saw mm-hmm. it firsthand. And at that point in my mid-30s, I, frankly, I didn't understand it. Uh, maybe I didn't want to, or maybe I just didn't understand it. So I started learning more about it and how real and scary a mental health crisis can be. The second you alluded to this, I, I met Mark, Mark Barden. Uh, the co-founder and co-CEO of, of Sandy Oak Promise. And we were at an event and he told me the story about what happened that day. And I think we all know the story and of the story, but when you hear it from a father and you start having, I was two years after I had my first daughter, um, it just, it sounded different and it felt different. And I, I asked Mark, what can I do? How can I help? And he started sharing some stories on, on how I can, how I can help. I became a promise leader. I went through the training. I learned more. And what I learned is underneath the headlines of gun prevention and gun violence, which was extremely important to this organization, was about mental health programs for kids, mm-hmm. was about knowing the signs. We you know, talked a little bit about that earlier, that a lot of these young men and women, um, there are signs that led them to this point. And if we knew about them, we could potentially stop them. Yep. And that's what that organization has done an incredible job of stopping some school shootings around this country. Um, and third, uh, a couple of years ago, a friend and mentor of mine said, Sonny, I, I think you need a coach. I said, what's a coach? A life coach? And I, I, at that time, I didn't really understand, but I gave it a shot. And I started working with this coach, both professionally and personally. And as cheesy as it sounds, it changed the direction of my life. Wow. I learned about my goals and values. I, I remember, I'll never forget this question. He said, Sonny, tell me some of your goals and, and uh, how are you thinking about your life? And he said, well, oh, my, my goals, it's a hundred million in revenue and 25 employees. And I listed all my professional goals, right? Uh, and he said, no, what are your goals? And I couldn't answer the question. Wow. I didn't know how to answer what are my goals. And, you know, besides happy and healthy kids, which again, not, you know, hopefully is table stakes for, for a lot of people, um, that are lucky enough to say that. But as I thought about it, I said, wow, what are my goals? What are my true values? And I started thinking about that. And as I worked with this coach, I said, wait a minute, I'm learning about better decision making. I'm learning about what is grit, what is resiliency, skill sets you can actually learn, just like shooting a free throw or throwing a football. You can learn these skill sets. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. When I was 14, 15, and my parents went through a difficult divorce when I was in high school, and I didn't make any varsity sports and every girl said no to the junior prom. Boy, I wish I had some of these skill sets uh, to help me through those tough times. And I thought about it. I said, why aren't we teaching this in school today? We're teaching mm-hmm. math and history and science and very valuable lessons that come with it. But how come we're not teaching some of these life skills that are preventative? And that was sort of the origination of Robin and uh, why we're here now two plus years, uh, two plus years later. 
There you go. You know, I people need to do that. I mean, there certainly could have been more mental health schooling for me in uh, high school because I suffer enough mental health damage from trying to force uh, Algebra 2 down my brain, <laughs> which I'll never use since. But it is a great thing for mathematicians and people that are scientists, I suppose, but not for me. Um, but yeah, mental health, I mean, you go through so much of a struggle as a, as a, as a teenager through junior high and high school and stuff like that. I mean, there probably should be a lot of there should be a lot of mental health going on at that point because it it shapes you in so many different ways. Uh, so, give us an overview, a thirty thousand foot view of what Robin does. Yeah, Robin goes into schools and really uh, first understands what the challenges that are facing that community, and by community, I mean not just the students, but the teachers, the mm-hmm. staff, the administration, and the parents. Because what we learned early on, in order to make true change and sustainable change. We have to support the adults in our kids' lives as well. So Robin brings a coaching platform to school communities where real live people, right, not just software, go into schools virtually and in person to talk about these lessons and reinforce these life skills through stories they tell. They don't go in and say, hey, to learn resiliency, you have to do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. We share a story how a coach was resilient, how a coach was made self-aware and what they went through. To, come, to become the person they are today. And I think what that does for students, and, and we live in a very different generation. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, where, of course, we had our problems and challenges, but very different than my kids are growing up, certainly today, and, and this generation is growing up. Um, the second, we have an online digital curriculum that reinforces the messages that our coach coaches talk about. Because when a coach goes in, and I'm, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan, I'm inspired by him, I've listened to him a bunch, but even, you know, a guy I listen to him all the time, 24, 48 hours later, I sometimes forget what he was talking about. I took my notes and in that moment, high energy, excitement, I want to learn. But unless you're building these habits every day, every week, every month, you're not really going to learn. So our software curriculum reinforces this messages every day. Maybe it's two to three minutes a day, five to 10 minutes a week, sort of these micro steps that are too, fo- too small to fail start building these habits with students, with teachers and parents. And the Robin program is designed to build more connection, right? Yeah. I think connection, if you look at sort of the child psychiatrists out there that talk about the connection is directly correlated to positive mental health outcomes. And if we see what's happening, as you alluded to in some of these shootings or other um, mental health and mental um, uh, anxiety and depression and some of these challenges that kids face, at the root of it, a large part of it is connection, their yep. ability to be in a safe space and communicate. And I think, you know, people say this time is different. This time is different. I do believe that the generation that is destigmatizing mental health, the generation that is leading this change is going to make a change. And that's why companies like ours exist, because the students out there are asking for there you go. And, you know, it, it's something we need to identify. I mean, we always hear about how a lot of these school shooters are loners. Uh, we we talked in the green room prior about how we just had uh, an author who wrote a book on the maladies, uh, a behavioral scientist who uh, wrote about the maladies of, of Hitler. You know, Hitler was a loner, uh, had problems socially adjusting to people. We need to we need to somehow bring these people into the fold of of uh, that are struggling from society, from either childhood trauma 
or other things like that. Um, you do this live group coaching, and it, it appears to me, I'm just going off the website, that it looks like a very sort of group environment as opposed to someone just oratory, or, oritating at the front of a group. Is that is that correct? And, and give us some insight to how you uh, applies. Yeah, all by design. Uh, a lot of the coaching we, we do currently is all in groups. We don't do one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's not clinical. Yes, we do have coaches that have medical degrees, but we're doing tier one and tier two. So everybody mm -hmm. in the building can learn these preventative and proactive skill sets. And the way to do it that we've seen real change and real change in a few short months is by getting a group of students together that are going through a challenge, a group of educators together that are going through a challenge. So I'll tell you a recent example. We had a uh, school in upstate New York that had a group of transportation, um, transportation team, the bus drivers. They were going through some key challenges. And as the superintendent of that school and leadership was talking to me, it dawned on me that the bus drivers are the first person to see the students and the last person to see the students. That day. Right. I just it just it just clicked at that moment that if they're not getting the support they need, they're the first interaction. Yeah. And if you think about a typical day of a bus driver, which I didn't think about until you know the last two years, they have the challenge with the students. They have challenge with parents, administrations, unions, et cetera. And if we're not supporting a cohort like a transportation team and giving them the support they need, how are we ever going to impact and affect change at the student body level? So we got this group together. Uh, I think there was about 16 to 18. And we started working with them on some challenges they were facing with their community. And part of it was honestly building some resiliency, leadership skills, and giving them a forum together to talk about some of their challenges, which they might not have gotten in their union or maybe in their school. Mm -hmm. And what the Robin ecosystem has allowed schools to do is we're not the best to identify who's going through a challenge at your school. The school is the best to identify that. Mm -hmm. But as we think about our expertise and bringing a coach that has this coach that uh, was in this particular uh, school training uh, with the transportation team, uh, he's a former school counselor. He happens to be a father of four boys, so he's got his own experience in that way. Mm -hmm. But he's a master resiliency officer in Fort Hood, Texas. He teaches our soldiers how to build resiliency. And mm -hmm. now he goes into schools, into school ecosystems to talk about how people, adults and kids can start building these skill sets every day. And that's why we find so effective about our program is to get people together in a group talking about this. This is what I thought was interesting. Not only do you have group coaching and, and the, these applications for students, but also for educators and staff. My mother was a school teacher for 20 plus years. Uh, she didn't deal with any of the stuff they're dealing with today. Uh, she was kind of, uh, she kind of retired about the time that, you know, the school shootings really, uh, started uh, accelerating. Um, but you know, just the stresses, you know, I would have phone conversations with her and just the stresses of what she was dealing with then as an educator, you know, she was starting to see, you know, the parents really becoming activists and sometimes almost, uh, almost a troublesome in, in expecting, you know, them to raise their children. Uh, and, and uh, of course, the participation generation of, of parents going, my child can do no wrong. It must be the teacher's fault, uh, you know, that he's not getting good grades and, and that sort of thing. And, and, it, and it wore on her and was tough on her. And I can't imagine being an educator today dealing with the pressures of what you do. Um, I just showed her yesterday, actually, it was a video uh, of a TikTok uh, teacher 
who uh, actually broadcasts a lot of stuff on TikTok, and he showed this bucket that they have. It's a five-gallon bucket that you can, it not only has a ridge line that you can poop in if you're in a lockdown emergency or you can utilize, but he also showed how he has body bags in his, in his, uh, in this packet. This bucket has basically a survival kit for a school mm -hmm. shooting or a lockdown of extended period of time. And one of the aspects of it was body bags. And just the sheer shock of seeing the video uh, and showing it to my mom and, and seeing her shock and awe of it, that a teacher has to, you know, not only deal with being the inspiring teacher who tries to get people to learn and the love that they have for the job, which usually brings them to that work, having to have body bags. I mean, you know, he made the, he made the comment. He's like, how many other companies or how many other people have to go to work and have to pack body bags into their, into their, into their briefcase? Uh, you know, it's something we really don't think about, but it looks like you guys help educators and staff, uh, you know, with the mental challenges as well, burnout, uh, mindset, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, frankly, it was as we set out as a young company a couple of years ago, we wanted to certainly impact change. And we knew as a young company, we could only do so much. So we were at the New York State School Counselors Conference, uh, you mm -hmm. know, a booth and talking to school counselors. And a school counselor came up and said, I, I love this concept, but can we do coaching for us? And I, I said, what do you mean? We do, you know, for your class, your students. And she said, Sonny, you know, as a group of school counselors and, and educators, we're going through a lot mm -hmm. on the mental health side, all the new things they have to learn and deal with, you know, from parents and kids and, and unions to school shooting drills. And God forbid, whatever else they might face day to day that we don't know happens in a inside of a classroom and that light bulb went off and said, wait a minute, who's servicing the educator, right? Who's nurturing the nurturer? Who are supporting our teachers out there? I happen to be, Chris, very lucky. I was in a company that grew and um, we had uh, access to funding and coaches. I had an executive coach. I had a speaking coach. I had a board coach. I had all these things. Athletes, one of our coaches, uh, George Mumford, uh, famously known for being um, Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant's mindfulness guru. Mm -hmm. And I met him a couple of years ago and, and lured him over to the Robin ecosystem. And he was telling me about the work that he did with these athletes. And there are some fun stories if you're a sports fan. But what he, he taught me and what I, I took away is the Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's of the world. The reason they were that amazing is not only the work they did inside the gym, but it's the work they did outside over here on, on their mind. Mm -hmm. They said Michael Jordan never worked so hard on mindfulness and his emotions and how to regulate outside of the gym. People don't see that, right? It's mm -hmm. not as exciting or maybe as sexy. And you think to yourself, and I think COVID, at least for me, put a sort of magnifying glass on frontline workers on the healthcare system and in education. I saw my da daughter, now a second grader, on Zoom right? Trying to learn. And this teacher, this incredible, incredible teacher trying to teach a group of five and six year olds over Zoom over during Zoom. the pandemic. And hats off to Miss Coates because she was masterful mm -hmm. on keeping kids engaged. And I'm thinking to myself, why aren't we giving our teachers the support that they need? Now, I'm not here lobbying for more pay or more X or more Y. I'm saying to you, even though I, I do think some of those things at times, but I'm saying to myself, why can't we provide coaching and support and not just, hey, someone to talk to, because that's certainly everybody needs, but for educators 
and administrators to be more proactive, to understand what they're going through and to help them through these situations to make sure they're the best they can be because they're the ones teaching our students in our future. They should yeah. be sort of first in my mind, getting all these services, to be quite frank. Yep. Um, and that's more of what we do, right? We're, we're educator first. And mm-hmm. I think it's so critical um, to get this out there. I, I can see something on the website that says something about four families as well. Do you have a curriculum for them? Yeah, we started a coaching, uh, again, learning through the customer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So we started working with students. We started working with educators. And we do a lot of work in New York City. That's that's my home. And we do a lot of work in, in uh, uptown in the Bronx. And I started talking to a, a parent coordinator at a school. And we started talking about some of the challenges she was facing. And she said, what, wouldn't it be great? There's a couple of families that they would love to be aligned in terms of what we're doing. And they don't know how to support their kids. Right. I think we all I'm a parent of three young ones. I I don't know how to parent. Right. I'm still learning every day, quite frankly. Uh, Hopefully I'm doing an okay job. But again, that that opportunity said, wait a minute. Of course, caregivers, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Mm -hmm. How are we not supporting them? So we started a family coaching Mm -hmm. program that now schools are opting to have and to invest in. Because, again, once they go home, nine to three or eight thirty to two thirty, they're in the four walls of the school. But after that. They're at home at some point learning, understanding in an environment. How do we support those caregivers and parents as well? So I think, again, that school community is really critical to, again, making long lasting, sustainable impact um, in communities. So it sounds like you're incorporating everybody. You're incorporating the student, you're incorporating the teacher, the administrations, the families, and, you know, everyone focusing on this stuff with mental health. You know, I've always... I've always had issues with the, the schooling that I got. And I, don't, I don't know that it got any better. But, you know, so much of it was trying to ram things through my brain that there were, I can, I can say in hindsight, there were better things that I should have been learning. Uh, mental health, uh, you know, how to deal with finances, balancing a checkbook, credit, uh, credit, you know, the importance of your credit report and how it's going to do your life. How to maybe, you know, why, you know, what does the mortgage do? How does it, how does it work for you? Uh I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have any children, but I've often joked that what there should be is if you're going to have kids, you've got to go through two years of college on how to be a good parent, how to have a good relationships with your thing, maybe heal some of your trauma and issues that you're going to drag into a, a marriage uh, and pass on to your children, you know, how to, how to, you know, the whole commitment, even like the finances of being, you know, uh, married and children or, or being in couples with children and, you know, all these different sort of real life skills, you know, that you're going to use. Because I got to be honest with you, I, I, you know, I'll tell people the only the only one class that made all the difference in all my life. And it did because I became an entrepreneur and had to type invoices was typing class it was the most important class I learned from. And it really shouldn't have been. And I'm still waiting for that, uh, you know, that leather, wood, and metal shop to kick in as some sort of thing I'm going to use in life. But uh, I don't know, maybe there were some survival skills there of not getting your fingers chopped off that I learned from the grinder. Um, so it, it sounds like you guys got a great curriculum into this. One, one aspect that I thought was kind of interesting that I found on your website was you talk about uh, regulating emotions and building mental flexibility. That seems like something a lot of these people who end up acting out in violence or having issues, maybe maybe throughout life that maybe they don't shoot up a school, maybe but maybe they have issues with life and their contributions to life. Talk to us a little bit about that and the importance of it. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, you take examples and, um, you know, I, I have three little ones, uh, eight, four, and almost two. And I see temper tantrums all the time, right, mm -hmm. with, with, with all of them. In that's the moment, me on Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> even for us, right? I, 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 in the moment, that's why they say don't, don't ever make a big decision when you're mad. Don't write an email to your you know, staff or your boss when you're really upset. I think that same concept can be taken to our kids today, right? Yeah. There is going to be different degrees of disappointment. Maybe it's a bad grade or it didn't do well in your SATs. Maybe it's something much more significant in terms of your family home, in terms of death or divorce. And our ability as kids to say, how do we deal with grief and trauma and challenges? There's not a playbook. I, or I, at least I don't remember getting a playbook in school and health class, at birds and bees and gym and volleyball to say, if you get in an argument or a fight, here's what you should do. And there are, are practical things that students can learn and you know what better place to learn than the school yeah. you use the word life skills coping mechanisms um, these are the skills that we need to teach because we don't know what's going to happen in our kids lives or even in our adult lives i do know that challenges in different forms and and, and facets will come up our ability to say let me take a deep breath. Let me take a step back. Let me write down what's really bothering me. I try this one with my kids. That's a very difficult one. But what is it that bothered me when I got an F? Is it that I didn't put the work in? The teacher misgraded it? That I, you know, that I didn't understand Hamlet? I had an issue senior year with that. Uh, what are what is the real challenge that you face? And if you can go through it, that doesn't mean don't be mad or don't show emotion. I actually think that's quite healthy. But it means like it can't live with you forever. That's and true. This generation, again, I, I'll just use cousins and family members and people that I see. And yes, yeah, social media is a big part of it because it's just information at your hand, right? You didn't get invited to a party. Oh, well, I went home and you don't see what happened at that party. Nowadays, you do, right? You see what you're missing out on. You see what the world around you is doing. And there's, whether it's fear, it's disappointment, it's FOMO, it's a combination of things. Now, more than ever, we have to best understand how to deal with disappointment or failure. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that word comes up, entrepreneurs on this show. You got to learn how to fail. You got to learn to fail. Uh, agreed. But I think you got to learn at an earlier age when things don't go your way, how to respond. Mm -hmm. Right. Every kid's not going to get up and, and brush off the dust and go to bat again. Maybe there's a kid or two that can do that. But can we teach our kids the importance of that at an early age and they carry that skill set and apply it later in life? Yeah. I probably could have used more health, mental health training than trigonometry in, in uh -huh. high school. Because, <laughs> you know, the other thing too is it seems like a lot of these folks that go off the edge on the deep end, uh, and, and there's a spectrum of these people. Like I said, we need to address, you know, people just have challenges in life. Uh, maybe they don't act out, but maybe they don't fully develop to the potential they could be. Um, you know, bullying in school, a lot of these people that shoot up schools, they were bullied. Uh, they, you know, I think everyone kind of gets bullied in school. It's a, it's a horrific, uh, uh, hazing sort of experience, you know, growing up in teenage and even on the elementary school level, you know, children and kids are mean to each other, man. I mean, uh, and, and so bullying seems to be one thing that, uh, sets people off and people struggle with and, and hurts uh, probably mental health uh, and uh, development. 
And so this is probably good to focus on mental health, you know, in, in being able to deal with things that are happening in the school as you're going through, you know, uh, girls and boys going through puberty, uh, you know, dating and, you know, feelings and hormones and, you know, all those things you go through as a teenager that, that are, that are you know, they're a real struggle because you, you don't really have a life history or a pattern to look back on and, and you're just, you know, you're struggling with the, the development of your ego and yourself and, and everything else. I mean, I remember my uh, 11 year old pseudo stepson that I helped raise for a little while. I remember he was going through his teens. He would say stuff that would come out of his mouth and we'd look at him like, do we need to beat the crap out of you? I mean, I'm being facetious, but um, you know, we'd look at him like uh, time to die or, well, we're probably going to ground you. And uh, he would have the look on his face. Like, did that come out of my mouth? And, but, but it was him stumbling to try and find his ego and his balance and, you know, the whole thing they do. So I think this is really important for aspects of that too, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head that, you know, we work with schools and in, in across the U S and, you know, red and blue and different income uh, threshold communities. And yes, the, the student in the Bronx versus, you know, uh, Austin, Texas versus um, Seattle, all are facing different challenges in their community. But ninth graders all over this country, eighth to ninth grade, they're experiencing change and transition together. Seventh graders, right? You talked about a tough, tough year. Uh, you, you talk to any educator. I think seventh grade is probably the toughest year that anybody has faced. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe I'm blanking out that year. I was I was talking to my mom. I said, I remember sixth grade and eighth grade. What happened in seventh grade, right? I think it was sex education classes. <laughs> I remember. It, it, something happened that it really, I'm, I'm blanking on it. But we're seeing that with schools when they talk about some of the challenges, seventh grade, mm-hmm. right? How can we help our students? It's what's happening. Puberty and hormones and change and feelings and emotion. Yeah, you start it's, getting it's, interested in girls or boys or whichever. Sure. Yeah. Isn't that a good time to start talking about mm-hmm. this, right? And what's happening. And, you know, you mentioned bullying and we do a lot of work with cyberbullying these days. And it just, you know, dawned on me and um, I was lucky enough. I, I got bullied, a, you know, a couple times here and there, nothing, nothing serious. Um, and then a couple of years ago when I was working with Robin, I got introduced to somebody, um, a former NHL hockey player, um, uh, played for Winnipeg, I believe. And I was introduced to him by a, another company and he tells a story about him, the bully, he as the bully. And it's a fascinating story that I really listened to and wanted to understand. And I had a phone call with him and he shared the story of him in, I think it was eighth grade to ninth grade where he was being bullied by, uh, he was being laughed at, excuse me, by a lot of kids because he was dyslexic. He didn't know that at the time, but he couldn't read. And, you know, I guess the stereotype of jock and all these things came out. And what he shared with me and what he shares in his own organization is that he was the bully because he didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And he was getting made fun of by a group of students and, and whoever else because he couldn't do the test. He couldn't fill out the quiz. He didn't participate in that way. And his only way to lash out, he was the big hockey player. So he mm-hmm. lashed out at everybody. And at that point, Chris, I had so much empathy for the bully, right? That, that I didn't fully understand. So what I think we need to understand is why? Why is this person bullying? What's going on at home? What's going on? You know, did, did he or she just come out of a test? And I'm not condoning any behavior, nothing of the sort, but I'm saying as a community, it's important to create these safe spaces to have conversation and not be afraid to have tough conversations. 
And if yeah. you need to bring the social worker, the principal, the mom, the dad, the caregiver, that's okay. Every community can do it in the way that community decides to do it. But I think it's important to do it and to recognize what's happening on all sides of that ecosystem. Definitely, definitely. You know, I mean, kids go through all sorts of things and then they act out. I remember we were, I mean, we were fairly good kids in high school and we started getting bullied by a set of twins that had some very abusive, uh, probably an alcoholic father uh, from what I from what we understood, but they became very abusive to us and somehow took a special shine to bullying us. And I remember, uh, I mean, pretty much any time we were between classes, they were going to hunt us down. And it was like, it was like being hunted, uh, really wow. in real life. Uh, and we knew they were going to throw a punch or they're going to push us into a locker. They were going to, you know, slam an elbow into us or whatever the case was i mean you, and you, you start living in sort of this sort of reactionary thing and i remember one day me and my friend were just we were just sick of it and i don't know why we had a bag full of of uh of school milks and for some reason we decided to just blast them into the wall in the hallway and throw them up against the wall and of course the milk is causing a huge mess and everything else and we got caught doing it and we were and we were acting out we were acting out because we just, I, I, we were just losing it because we, we weren't handling it well, and I, there really was no way to handle it, and and uh, I, I, I don't know, we we just kind of gone to the principal or whatever about it for whatever reason. So we, I remember sitting in the principal's office or the vice principal's principal's office, and you know we were getting our reaming, and you know we started talking about how you know we. Uh, it, it kind of became apparent to us, and I think to the vice president that we were acting out. You know, these good kids that suddenly, you know, decided to do some vandalism, and uh, uh, and so we talked about it, and we talked about these kids, and then he addressed it, and he went and talked to those kids, and um, you know, and and now looking back, I can see that we were acting out, thankfully in a non uh, violent way, and, and it was a little bit of you know it was a little bit of some milk on a wall that we had to clean up. He made us clean it up, uh, which was good. Um, but you know, I think a lot of these kids, you know, now they 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 see you know they want to take a gun and act out or, or do something more violent. And I think it's important that that we try and balance these kids out and and say, hey man, what's going on in your life? What's going on? Let's talk about this, and so that people can you know not feel isolated, not feel a uh, bullied and stuff. And I think it can make all the difference in the world. We certainly could have used it in our school. <laughs> yeah. And, and you think about, I think back of the kids that might've been bullied or shared a lunch table alone or, or, or the new kid that transferred into school, mm -hmm. like a sophomore year doesn't have his or her friends. I mean, one of Sandy Hook's programs that just taught me so much, um, it's called saying hello. Huh? Say, saying hello say hello to the person sitting at the cafeteria table by themselves say hello to somebody who could use you know a hello at that point it's these simple solutions we're teaching we can teach our, our kids to help reach out and connect like look at the numbers you, you started talking about loneliness and, and we see the sort of the loneliness epidemic happening we see suicide rates in this country um just unbelievable I mean, if I told anybody anywhere that this is what's happening to our students, wouldn't everybody drop what they're doing to help address this topic? Mm -hmm. And these are our kids taking their own life. And mm -hmm. these aren't just college kids or adults. I mean, we're hearing about this. It happened in New York City. It happened in, in everywhere. These are now middle school kids taking their life. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even fathom a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old thinking about that. 
and actually doing and following up on that. So we really have to think about what's important here. Yeah. Right? What, are, what are we trying to do? Because yes, it happens. You hear it on the news, you hear the shooting over here or in this state or this city and the immediate response or feelings, thank God it wasn't my school. Thank God it wasn't my community. Yeah. But it could be any community anywhere. Yeah. We've right? seen it. It's, it's pretty rampant. And in fact, these, these shootings are murder suicides usually, or the intent is murder suicide. A lot of the kids plan on offering themselves if they don't uh you know uh, in the thing it's it's a it's a way of taking people with you i guess yeah uh, you know i i won't pretend to know the psyche or, or fully understand I, I do know um and other organizations have been doing this for decades and there's some wonderful wonderful programs out there that things can be done to stop these things Definitely. right and programs like uh, Sandy Hooks that are out there and others do an incredible job addressing this challenge. Again, why I'm in this seat, I was inspired. I saw Absolutely. the amazing work that people did. These are parents that you know, had the ultimate sacrifice happen in their lives. And their response is to make sure it doesn't happen again. I, I don't If that's not inspiration, I have no clue what inspiration is. Definitely, definitely. Um, so how does the funding go into it? I'm looking at your website. I see uh, it talks about the funding. How does, how does this thing get activated in, uh, you know, if somebody wants to have this in their local school system, how, how, what's the best way to reach out and uh, the funding and all the stuff that goes into it? Yeah, you know, uh, in your local school, whether it's your principal, your superintendent, your director of student services, um, schools, um, you know, have money for services and products from textbooks to computers to services like a Robin. And it's a question of allocation, right? Does the school, the school board, the community then think this is our priority? And if so, how do we fit into their strategic plan? And as you said, mental health, it's everybody's using that word, right? So, so often and, and so sort of in this umbrella statement, how do we sort of distill a little bit to say in your community, what are the key challenges, right? You come to Robin, we want to listen to what's happening in your community. Now, we have certain products and we and services. We can't be everything to everyone. But if you are interested, talk to your principal. Talk to the school mm -hmm. counselor. There might be some great resources at your school that you don't know about already. Mm -hmm. Right? Take advantage of those, number one. If Robin is the right program for your school community, there is funding. Right? These are programs that aren't, you know, hundreds of thousands starting at five thousand dollars we can have a robin program implemented in your school tomorrow mm -hmm. this is this curriculum is k-12 through is designed to work in any school community mm -hmm. because it's designed by school counselors teachers and students right mm -hmm. it's designed by those that are participating in that i think that's what's allowed us to have this early success is it's engaging it's practical it's not this you know Hey, what if, what if it's taking real life scenarios and we had a, just a, a, you know, March just passed in a lot of communities, SATs and ACTs test mm -hmm. anxiety. It's a very real topic that kids oh, yeah. I hated tests uh, tests. And, and these are students that know the answer, right? But mm -hmm. that, that clock goes off, that bell rings, that pencils in their hand and everything goes dark or everything changes. There are things you can do to get over that in 30 seconds in, in, in three minutes to better prepare real life practical solutions, I think is what sort of the message that I want to uh, tell uh, those school leaders out there. And parents, parents can reach out to us and bring us to their their communities. Uh, parents, as you said, like it or not, they have a voice. And um, I, I think they're concerned about their own um, uh, 
kids' mental health. And as you said, they don't necessarily have the resources mm-hmm. um, to address this and to implement this and to be aligned. I think that alignment is so critical that everybody's talking the same language. Everybody's on the same page. They don't have to agree, but they have to understand this is the same sort of sandbox that we're all playing in. And we all have to deal with the same challenges together as hopefully a family unit or as an individual. And I love the concept of this because, as I mentioned before, the twins that were giving us problems and all the bullies that I ever saw in high school and and school, we we became aware that their parents weren't sometimes being on their best people. And maybe they were bullied in school and whatever. But, you know, being able to have these kids maybe come talk about what's going on at the home, address some of the issues or feelings they're having about that can make it so that, you know, bullying doesn't become such a, you know, one person bullies another and they bully another and they act out and, you know, it's, it's tough. Kids are so damn mean to each other in school. I mean, like, you know, I've run gaming communities and different things and just seeing how the young people, you know, you'll see how these kids go at each other and you're just like, you're just like, wow, man, I remember how, how mean we were to each other in school. And so, yeah, if we can cut dial back a ton of that and maybe have some of the bullies that are having problems at home maybe reconcile their stuff with mental health and make them feel listened to and maybe how to deal with their home stuff maybe reach out to their families and have them get some help too i mean that can help everybody uh, i love the concept of that if there's one thing i've learned on my show and having so many great authors and scholars and phds and people that are brilliant in in uh, the psychology of people childhood trauma is the arc of what that can do across the destruction of your lifetime and the difference that it can make and and uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it, you can all dial it back to childhood trauma and childhood experiences. And if you don't get your feet down well as a child, um, it can affect your whole life. You know, it can make a, it can make a huge amount of difference. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, as as a society and as a culture today where everything is so instantaneous, right? Everybody's looking for instantaneous gratification. Everybody is trying to divide each other and polarize each other. Isn't this, and I, I say this to a lot of schools I, we work with, this is not a red or blue or black or white issue. This is an all of us issue, right? This is something that I think all of us can agree upon is a huge challenge. Right. And I don't have the exact right answer, but we're building towards that. And I think part of what we're doing and can do effectively conversations like this, Chris, let's have the conversation out there. So people are talking about it locally in their communities, whether it's Robin, it's your local resource or something else. I encourage people to have the conversation, be open, bring it to your school board. Uh, Because again, this is, again, these are the communities uh, that, that we need to change. Right. And need to definitely. Anything more we haven't talked about that we want to touch on before we go out? Uh, no, you, you hit on a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I could just say most importantly, you know, for me, we talk about Robin and being an entrepreneur and, and um, having fun, or I should tell you, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Um, you know, the most gratifying thing and, and for me in my life is, is being a dad. Um, I got three kids and it's, it's unbelievably hard and unbelievably fun. And um, I can tell you, it's um, it, it's so special, and I, I wanted to share that because sort of being a, uh, being a father for me and an uncle before that, and it changes perspective a little bit, right? Yeah. It makes you think differently um, about certain things, not good or bad, just different. 
Um, and for me, it's allowed me to sort of enter this new phase of life uh, and, um, you know, see things in, again, a different lens. So uh, I appreciate all that you do, Chris. I've, I've seen some of your other shows recently. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I really appreciate you having me and, and talking about this. Uh, I, and I really appreciate coming by because I, this is, uh, I want the world to be a better world. I want school shootings to stop. I want better children to have better future because that way they'll pay my social security when I get old. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just, that's a horrible thing, Chris. Uh, but no, I mean, I, we, we want a better world to live in. We want a less dangerous world to live in. I don't want to, no one should have to go to school. I mean, I, I, my, my biggest horror in school was, well, bullies and, uh, you know, the Russians dropping nuclear bombs. So we would hide under those uh, five-ton lead steel desks, and mm -hmm. I'm sure the way to save this, of course. But, you know, that was that was our biggest fear. You know, I, I can't imagine going to school every day and having to think about stuff. I can't imagine being a teacher where I have to have a, a bucket at school in case there's a lockdown that people can use the bathroom in a room and, and there's body bags in it and uh, other survival uh, tools in it you know i've i've seen a lot of stuff that gets pitched to the show but people want to come on and talk about these protection rooms these safe rooms that they're building and uh, you know and and uh, i you know we're all trying to struggle and find what the answer is to this but mental health definitely at this age and help people so they don't enter the world with trauma and everything else especially over trigonometry and algebra too i mean that's trauma. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it, it can be. It, it's mental health. You know, because the funny thing was is because I couldn't, I, my brain just was not getting algebra too. Um, you know, I, I just, it just I, was, I was getting it. Uh, it, it affects your self-worth and your self-value. And that's the worst foot to get started out with, you know, not valuing yourself. You know, a lot of young girls they look at uh, this you know instagram social media and they're having problems with depression and self-value you know because everybody on instagram looks like they're millionaires and the greatest looking people with all the greatest filters in the world you know i look like a victoria's secret model and uh, if you put the filters on me on tiktok i don't actually there's 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 not enough amount of filtering that can help me but uh, you know i mean they see this these images and they think that everybody's living this life and and they're really troubled it's not reality. There you go. So, Sonny, give us your uh, your website so people can find you guys in the interwebs. I noticed there's also a white paper on there. So, if people want to go there, reach out to you guys, find out more about what you're doing, teachers, students, family members, parents can do that as well. Absolutely. It's my-robin, R-O-B-I-N.com. Yeah, check out our white paper and, and some of the work we do. And, again, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us on the team. We'd be happy to talk, learn more about your community, and, and, and talk more about sort of this challenge and now this opportunity we all have uh together there you go and uh try and make the world a better place and i love this because uh you know it's teachers are some of the most greatest people in the world uh my mother was one my sister was one i saw the work and the money their own personal money they would put in that would never be reimbursed that my mom would do for her stuff i mean sometimes like 250 bucks a month she would spend and yeah. be like uh yeah you get like a reimbursement check like that like a normal company right and she's like no they don't. They don't do that. And 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 these people really do this job for the love of children, for the love of of uh, making the world a better place. And uh, you know, there's a lot of teachers left the business because of some of the attacks they're going through and and the ugliness of politics and everything else. And so anything we can do to support the system be better. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for uh, being on the show. We certainly appreciate it, Sonny. Thank you very much. 
Thanks, Chris. Talk soon. Take care. There you go. Thanks to my audience. Uh, be sure to go to youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and LinkedIn as well. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>